Amen. 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 Well, as Marshall mentioned, happy Mother's Day. You know, I don't have a traditional Mother's Day message. <laughs> I said a long time ago, I don't know if it was at the house or not. I don't do the traditional things to bring the secular stuff in here. And not that it's wrong, because like Marshall said, we, you know, we're to honor our mothers and our fathers. And um, like she said, you know, we should be doing that all the time. Right. And uh, ultimately, you know, we're to give God the glory. He's the reason why we're here. He's the reason why our mothers were able to have us in their womb and give birth to us, right? <laughs> Amen. Um, going through the, uh, the pain for those that had natural births. <laughs> well, I guess, I well, I don't know if it still hurts. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going there, but, <laughs> but just praise God. Amen. <laughs> For the birth of the child, amen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I went there. <laughs> but amen, so glory to God. So we're going we're gonna to get through this. Uh, I'll admit this was a struggle for me this week. And, uh, you know, I contemplated I was yesterday well, wondering, am I supposed to be speaking? I knew what I wanted to speak on, but it's like every time I go to open throughout this week to study, I kept dozing off. Yeah, the, the, the flesh was truly weary. <clears throat> I know what the disciples felt like in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because, yeah, even today, I was just, yeah, trying to study. But, you know what? God is good. So, we'll, we'll see how this, you know, <laughs> amen, all the time. So, we talked about last week, last couple of weeks, about, you know, Jesus saying he is the bread of life. And, uh, and I mentioned that anytime he said, I am that was a wake-up call. They, everybody knew what he was trying to say, right? And we talked about the fragments. We talked about the, when he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and the fragments that was left over. And you know what? We're supposed to still eat of those fragments, right? And we're supposed to take those fragments out. But sometimes, you know, what we try to do is we try to force p feed people the fragments or tell them how they should eat the fragments, right? Instead of, uh, sometimes we may just need to show them, right? <clears throat> what do I mean by that? So there was a church a few years back, and uh, they gave a demonstration of uh, uh, somebody that was blindfolded that was supposed to be pretending to be blind, and then they had a select number of people, and then they were supposed to, they had the blindfolded person on one side of the church, and then individually supposed to give the person direction to get them to the other side and uh <laughs> i guess it was kind of interesting because you know there was obstacles being placed there and they had to direct them by the words but long story short when they it was like one lady that got it right because she asked can i touch him right and then uh they said well you know you know everything that you need to do so she's the only person that touched them basically to show them where to go, right? And sometimes we have to show people, right? And show people, because, you know, we get in the habit of just uh, trying to talk to people. And then when we do that, sometimes we put on a facade because, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we can't be honest. We don't show when we're actually struggling and going through things. And that's when people need to see, right? So there was a gentleman 
not was, is a gentleman that's doing a Bible study um, at my job. And uh, apparently he's been pretty consistent and people are starting to come. But one thing they keep saying is, you know, he's a good man. He's a good person. They don't all understand everything that he's teaching, per se, but they're saying he's a good man. And what did they say about Jesus? That he was a good man, right? Because the character was shown, right? And, and that's what we have to remember. And we got a part of those fragments. We have to show people those fragments. Because even when he fed the 5,000 to 4,000, they had to see the bread before they ate it, right? Those that still had sight, <laughs> right? Or that did have sight, right? So today we're going to go over another I am statement. I ain't going to say we're going to try to. You know how I used to like the not use the word ain't, but I I just used it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but um, I'm not gonna say we're gonna go through all seven of them, but um, we're gonna go over uh, the light. You know, um, because Jesus is the light, right? And we're, I'm not gonna say it's gonna be all revelatory like the bread was, but you know we'll, we'll get something out of it. We we uh. We, we read from, we finished off in uh, John chapter 6, and then where Jesus says he is the light of life is in John chapter 8, and, and that, that's where we will begin at. But uh, y'all heard me say before that the Bible is not in, always in uh, chronological order, but in chapter 7, 8, and 9, all three of them go together. It's all one within a week's time right there, all right? So... And how do we know it's in a, a week's time? Because John chapter 7 tells us that this is the Feast of the Tabernacles at this time. So because we learn in John chapter 7 is the Feast of the Tabernacles, and in John chapter 6, when he fed the 5,000, it was the uh, Passover, we know approximately six months have passed from John chapter 6 to John chapter 7. Okay, so let's turn to John chapter 8. <coughs> if you haven't already, we're going to begin at verse 12. All right, John chapter 8, beginning at verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. So stop right there. He's saying he knows where he came from. He came from the Father. He came on a mission from the Father. And guess what? Jesus is God. Right? He's God in the flesh. <coughs> but they accuse him and they say, you bear witness of yourself. Well, why do they say that? Because... In the Jewish law, you had to have at least two witnesses to corroborate a story. So you couldn't just come and accuse somebody. So we didn't read it, but uh, at, from uh, 1 to 11, it, uh, that's when they bring the uh, women caught in adultery. Right? And it's pretty interesting that they actually catch her in the act. That's what the Bible says. They caught her in the act. And the reason why that's pretty interesting, because unlike today where you may have in Afghanistan or Kuwait where you could just accuse a woman of adultery and they'll stone her, burn her, or do whatever. According to Jewish law, 
you, you literally had to have two witnesses whose stories corroborated. So basically, they had to, it, it would be hard to catch somebody in adultery without pretty much setting it up, right? So that's why a lot of scholars believe that they set this up, right? And it would probably give credence to when Jesus also said, he who was without sin catch first stone, because they probably did, more than likely did set it up. But you had to have two witnesses. But they're accusing Jesus of saying he's testifying himself. But guess what? Jesus says this. He says, even if I bear witness, even if. So he's saying, look, I'm not just bearing witness. There is another witness, right? So we know he's got the father, right? But he also has the law and the prophets that foretold of his coming as the Messiah. Because remember, we talked about that everything Jesus did was fulfillment of what was in the law and in the prophets, right? So that is one witness. And guess what? Even when the, uh, they were discussing Jesus on him being a good man, they, they, that's what drew their attention. The things that he did brought them back to what was written in the law and the prophets, right? So what else did they have? They had the testimony of John the Baptist, right? Because guess what? Remember, they thought John the Baptist was the Messiah initially, and they were asking him. But John the Baptist says, no, I'm not he, right? And then when Jesus showed up, he says, behold, the Lamb of God, right? So just imagine you have hundreds of thousands of people that was out there with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is telling them who Jesus is. And what else did they have? They had the miracles Jesus did, right? Because the miracles, that that's what caught people's attention. And it was God the Father through the Holy Spirit doing these miracles, healing people, right? So they, they already, Jesus had these witnesses. He had the law and the prophets. He had John the Baptist. He had the miracles, and he had other things to testify who he was. That was his witness. And guess what? He had God the Father when he was baptized because he spoke. Amen. All right, so let's keep going. You judge according to the flesh, but I judge no one. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. So let's stop right there. So he's saying, he's telling them, you're judging according to the flesh. Why are they judging according to the flesh? Because they're judging Jesus according to the flesh. Shall the Messiah come out of Galilee? Right? Th these are the things that they're, they're saying about Jesus. Oh, we know who his mother and who his father is, Mary and Joseph. We know who his brother is. They're judging him by the flesh. And basically what Jesus speaks about in the Beatitudes with Matthew chapter 7, judge not, yes, ye be judged, lest ye be judged, right? Because he's talking about people who are hypocritical, right? But he says in John chapter 7, verse 24, I believe it is, I'm pretty sure it is, he talks about judging with righteous judgment, Right? We can judge, but it's not us judging, but it's the word. Amen. Right? But Jesus at this time, his first, when he came, when he walked the earth, he didn't come to judge. Let's turn to John chapter 3. <coughs> we'll begin at uh, 16. So there will be a point in time when Jesus does come back to judge, but this time when he's walking the earth, he's not judging. Well, how do we know that? All right, John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Judge. Same, same word. Condemn, judge. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So no matter how long we've been saved. Guess what? One time we were in darkness. We are born dark people. Our hearts are born. When we're born, even as newborn babies, we're born evil, corrupt, and prone to do evil things, even though we may do some good things in life. But until Christ comes into our heart, we're evil. We love darkness. I don't know if y'all ever see, uh, seen a video of the earth where uh, from outer space, right? And then when you look at it in daytime, you see it just like a globe where you see the clouds, you see the blue water, you see the green continents. But when you look at it at night, it's dark. It's dark. And what lights it up is the lights at night, fires, electricity, and things like that. So all you see pretty much is the light, right? So when people, when we're born before Christ, when we're, when we're before Christ we're dark people. Right. So everybody that doesn't have Christ does not have the light of Christ in them. Right. So we are to gravitate to that light. But if we don't gravitate to that light, then we start to remain in darkness. Or even if we're in Christ and then because guess what? God never kicks anybody out of the kingdom, no matter what they do. But we learn from John chapter six. It takes what they walk away. We have to walk away from Christ. And that's what people do. And what we have to understand is when Jesus was uh, in John chapter 3 here in verse 17, it wasn't judgment time yet. But actually, the Pharisees and them and us and everybody are being judged by our actions. Well, how are we being judged? By the word. Right? So whatever the word says, are we going to do it? And if we're not doing it, guess what? We're, we're being judged because... We already know what the verdict is going to be, really, when we get before the judgment seat, right? We, because like Marsha talked about before, the bodies are recorded, right? So everything that we're doing is being recorded, right? So now, unlike the human court, Lord don't have to waste time. <laughs> he don't have to waste time and, and get a jury verdict and try to win this argument. Nope, it's already done. Because our deeds, now, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. No, right? But the more we gravitate away from the Lord, we're gravitating away from the light. And then we start to creep back to darkness. And then that darkness starts to, because most people, even when you, before you come to Christ and you're out in the world, darkness is usually done a lot of times. Well, sin is usually done in darkness, right? Usually at nighttime, right? And, and, and it's funny. Nobody really wants to cut on the lights. <laughs> right? Because they don't want to be exposed. Right? So, 
Jesus is the light. All right, so let's go back to uh, John chapter 8. All right, I'll pick up here. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So this goes back to having two witnesses. That the two, so this is how we know that Jesus did not get a fair trial before the high priest. Because the Bible tells us that their stories did not corroborate one another. Right? So he was never supposed to be convicted by them. All right, so I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father, because if you don't believe in me, you don't know the Father. Because we can't get to the Father without Jesus, and guess what? You can't get to Jesus without the Father drawing you. Amen. Right? Because they're one and the same. Right? If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. We'll start right there. So, I always talked about before about free will. You know what? I, I, I realized this week that, you know what? God does stop free will. Because guess what? They wanted to kill Jesus. And see, what I didn't talk about in John chapter 7 is because John chapter 7 tells us this was the feast of the tabernacle. Jesus could not go there openly because the Jewish leaders were out there trying to kill him. His brothers was telling him, go, show yourself. They recognized the miracles he was doing, but his brothers didn't recognize him as the Messiah, just like a lot of other people, right? So Jesus had to go by way of Galilee. He couldn't go out in the open, but once he got there, he went into the temple, right? So, um, staying uh, 8. Just wanted to read one verse. In <clears throat> uh, verse 2, he says, Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So he was teaching openly in the temple. And what chapter 7 tells us is this, that the Jewish leader sent guards to arrest him. But when the guards got there, they heard Jesus speak. Right? So they didn't arrest him. They couldn't grab him. Why? Because even Jesus said to his brother, My time has not come yet. So they couldn't touch him, right? Now, we can't say that, <laughs> right? But Jesus had a mission. He had a mission, right? And a lot of times, we as Christians, we say that, oh, my time. No, the Bible says tomorrow is not promised to us, Amen. right? Jesus is different, right? Because Jesus had to go to the cross. We don't have to go to the cross. So you better live in the light. <laughs> So the Feast of the Tabernacles. The Feast of the Tabernacle was a week long. It was seven days. And it was to uh, put them in remembrance. It was a commandment by the Lord. It was to put them in remembrance of their journey in the wilderness and the fact that God kept them out of, you know, as he brought them out of Egypt, they did what? It was a cloud by day and a fire by night. Amen. Right? So as they came and they journeyed, and I, and, I, and I thought about this for the first time. And it never dawned on me. When you think about all the hundreds of thousands, millions of people that left Egypt, there had to be a big fire for them to be able to see that. Right? Because we got to remember, they didn't have light <laughs> like we do today. 
Right? So usually whenever they had feasts back then, once sundown happened, they had to stop. But not during the Feast of the Tabernacles. Why? Because they would set up a, a big candle. It was four candles. They would set it up in the uh, temple of the courtyard. The court of the women, they would set this up. And uh, it was about 75 feet high. And they would use the priestly garments to use that as the wick and the oil. And then they would burn that. And then they could last all night to celebrate. And what the Feast of the Tabernacles was was to, like I mentioned, to commemorate that their journey in the wilderness, they were supposed to live outside at that time in makeshift tents. And uh, it was basically camping, right? And it was also towards the end of the harvest season, right? So it was a feast. And you think about it, because it's a feast, but here they are coming into the temple to listen to Jesus. But the, the, the light, the fire from the candle was so bright that, now it lit up everywhere. And the fact that there in Judea, it was sitting on a hill. So guess what? Because there's not electricity like it is today, you can see it for miles away. Right? So what would happen is they would, they would have celebrations. The, the priests would take some of their old garments, light them up, and they, they would go around with a fire to commemorate the presence of the Lord. Right? So guess what happens at the last day? Going into the morning, the fire goes out, right? So when Jesus says, I am the light, in verse 12, they knew what he was saying. Because that fire was to commemorate the presence of the Lord, leading them from Egypt out of the wilderness into the promised land. So Jesus is saying, when he says, I am the light of the world, he's saying, look, I am the light who's going to lead you from the darkness of sin into the promised land. And the only way we can get to the promised land, or the only way you can get to the promised land, is by following me. Right? That's what he was saying. So they understood what he was saying. This is why they were questioning him. Because who are you? You testifying of yourself. But Jesus knew full, full well. Why? And what did I say earlier about the law and the prophets? So let's go to Zechariah 14, or your table of contents. <laughs> To save time. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 14. And we're going to begin at we're going to read 16 and 17 <clears throat> Zechariah chapter 14 beginning at verse 16 and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king the Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles and it shall be that Whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So, you know, Joan mentioned at the beginning about the rain. The Bible tells us rain is actually a blessing, right? The Feast of the Tabernacles is also to commemorate the Lord dwelling on earth during the millennium time as well, okay? I didn't mention that earlier. So, Zechariah teaches that this harvest celebration 
is pointing toward the future harvest of the nations of the Messiah. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60. So remember, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19 and 20. So what does the light from the candlesticks have to do with the kingdom? Isaiah chapter 16, 60, excuse me, 60. All right, beginning at verse 19. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light and your God, your glory. Verse 20, your sun shall no longer go down nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall, shall be ended. And ended excuse me. <clears throat> so, with the Lord reigning here on earth, there's going to be no need for a sun or a moon. Okay, let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter 42. I am the light of the world. Isaiah chapter 42, beginning at verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. We read last week about how the Lord fed the 4,000 and the 4,000 were the Gentiles. And prior to him feeding the 4,000 of the Gentiles, he did what? He performed miracles, right? Verse 2, he will not cry out nor raise his voice, nor call, cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will not bring forth, excuse me, he will bring forth, I thought that didn't sound right. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastland shall wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord. Who created the heavens and stretched them out. Who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it. Who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. Verse 6. I the Lord have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. As a light to the Gentiles. To open blind eyes. To bring out prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory. I will not give to another. Nor my praise to carved images. Behold the former things have come to pass. And new things I declare. Before they spring forth. I tell you of them. So Isaiah is prophesying of the Messiah. Coming. Right. So. This is talking about Jesus. Right. If, hopefully I'll pick up on that. But it's talking about Jesus. Right. So he's a light. To the Gentiles. Not only a light to Israel, but a light to the Gentiles. Right? And he came to do what? Open blind eyes. And, you know, so remember I said seven, eight, and nine are together. Well, guess what? In chapter nine, he heals a blind man. And he heals a blind man differently than how he healed other blind men. Right? Because this blind man, he does what? He heals him with spit and dirt. Right? So he makes his own eyes soft. And then what happens is 
he tells this blind man, after he puts the, the, um, the clay on his eyes, he says, all right, go wash in the pool, pool of Siloam. Now, I thought about that. He's sending a blind man to the pool, right? So it's not like the pool's right there, <laughs> right? So, and the thing about it is, chapter 9 tells us that the blind man doesn't come to him. Jesus finds him, right? He finds him twice because he finds him to heal him because initially they're coming to him and say, uh, Master, his disciples, who sinned, him or his parents? And Jesus says, that's not what this is about, right? But that the works of the Lord can be done, that God can be glorified, right? So he heals this blind man, and then guess what happens? In that chapter, that blind man is asked four different times how he got his sight. And then each time they tell him who did it, Jesus. But see, at this time, he hadn't seen Jesus. He knows that then Jesus approaches him and says, uh, you know, he asks him about if he wants to know the Savior, the little Lord. And see, the, the thing is this. Even though he got healed, that wasn't the most important thing. The fact that he got born again, that was the most important thing. Right? Because now, guess what? He can see physically, but now he can see spiritually. Right? right? He humbled himself. Right? So... But what's interesting is this, I, you know, I thought about it. I, I was thinking, it's like, okay, well, why are you healing this way? I ain't getting no huge revelation. <laughs> you know, because the Lord, you know, we see that he speaks to one blind person and he's healed. Another one, he pulls aside and he prays over him. And then he sees things like trees walking, <laughs> right? And then he prays over him again. But this one is different. Right. But, but what I see from that is there's no one way that God can heal. That's right. Right. And there's no one because sometimes we as believers, we get caught up in routines a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I experienced God's glory this way before. So I'm going to do what I did before to experience God's glory. But he don't work like that. He don't have to work like that because what we do is we put the Lord in our box. Right. Or I led a person to the Lord this particular way. Right. Or the same way I've talked about before, you know, the ABCs of leading someone to salvation. Well, that's our method. But we've learned already and through the scriptures that what the father draws. them, Right. So now if we do come up with all these different methods. Then what are we doing? We're trying to do it. Right. We're, we're trying to do it. And then that's why we're out there toiling all the time when. It should be burdenless. <laughs> it should be easy. Right? It should be. Doesn't mean we won't face difficulties or obstacles or resistance. Right? But there's no one way for the Lord to do something. And we got to learn to stop trying to put him in the box. Saying, well, you know, we're going to work. We worship him this way in service. So let's worship him this way. No, there's no one way. God can. God is bigger than what. We can never imagine all of us put together. That's right. Right. And, and there's no one way. So when we do that, then we're putting it in the box. And then we got to ask, is it truly God's presence showing up or is it just us? All right. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. Last book of the Bible. I'm pretty sure you all know that, though.
we're almost done because I paraphrased chapter 7 and 9 already. So I don't have to go through. <coughs> All right. Revelation 21. We'll read 23. And then we're going to flip over to 22. All right. Revelation chapter 21, verse 23. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Remember, Jesus said, I am the, the light of the world. Right? So, remember, we read in the Old Testament, and I didn't read all the Old Testament scriptures, but they understood what Jesus was saying. All right, let's go to uh, Revelation 22 and 5. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You know, sometimes we say, with us, you know, we've heard, and I've said it, and I, and I understand the premise behind it, where let your light shine. It's not our light. It's the Lord's light. That's the light that we need to let shine. Right? And it, as long as we're following him, then his light's going to shine through us. Right? But, you know, sometimes we may want to follow him for three days, and then we have a tired day, we want to back off for one day. No, we got to let the light to shine. Because guess what? As long as we're not following light, then darkness starts to call, call us. Right? Because guess what? The more we start to pull away. See, because we can go to church every day of the week, but still be in darkness. And not truly following the light. Right? We have to follow the light. And guess what? There are people out there. And I think I, I, I said this in my prayer on, on Wednesday. That we got to remember. We got two types of people out there. They're going to be in the line to hell or the line to go into heaven. And we can walk by these people every single day. Every single day. Right? And, and we're so used to it, we don't think of it. And not that we got to stop everybody and, and, and witness to them. But we have to be the light. We have to be the light. Right? We, we have to give those fragments to people. Right? We have to allow the Lord's light to shine through us. Right? Because... We, we start to go through the motions. And it's very easy to do, right? I'm guilty of it, right? So I'm not pointing fingers. We, we go through the motions. We come across people every day. And then we're like, okay. You know, but there's multiple ways we can allow that light to shine, right? We, we, can, we can share the word with them, right? We can just love them, right? We can bear the fruit in, in front of them, show them, you know, the fruit. And that's one big obstacle that a lot of quote-unquote Christians are struggling in. Truth be told, right? We could we could pray for them, right? We could pray for them, right? That that's a big one. But we 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 got to get out of the habit of just trying to block the light. Because look, when this blind man got healed and say, "Look, no matter who came and asked him, he said a man named Jesus did it." A man named Jesus did it, right? We, we, we make it hard because we don't like to be rejected, truth be told, right? Most human beings don't like to be rejected. So that's what prevents us from witnessing. But we got to remember, it is the Father that draws them to the Lord, right? And then the Holy Spirit will move. And, you know, it's, if we allow that light to shine, people are going to see. Right. 
people are going to see. So even even with the the blind man in chapter nine, and y'all can y'all can read it on your own. <coughs> Since I pretty much paraphrased the whole thing, but y'all can read it on your own. It, it, it's it's good to read, but he just wasn't ashamed. You know, even though his parents were afraid of being put out of the the synagogue, he wasn't concerned about it. Why? Because he had just had an encounter with Jesus. That joy was there. Right? And even before he had saw Jesus, he still acknowledged Jesus for his healing. Right? So he didn't fully come into relationship with Jesus, but he was saying, look, a man named Jesus. And he kept telling him the same thing. I done told y'all already. Y'all keep asking me the same question I told you. And even when his parents were, 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 were afraid, they say he's an adult, you ask him. Right? Which is true. He was an adult. But he kept giving them the same line. And then he even said <coughs> to the Pharisees, what, do you want to be one of his disciples too? <laughs> but they didn't like that. Right? They got offended. Right? And, and their offense was all because they were jealous of Jesus. They were all jealous. And, and see, Jesus questions them. I think it's in chapter 7. Jesus 7, 8 or 9, 1 or 3. But he's talking to them because, I think it's 7, the fact that they are coming to him, the Pharisees are now, and accusing him of healing someone on the Sabbath. Right? And then he comes back and he says, well, you're judging me by this, but you circumcise on the Sabbath. So you, you think about it. So circumcision, that hurt. <laughs> right? But here Jesus is doing the good. Chapter 9. Uh, he's doing good on the Sabbath. He's healing. But then you're, you're, you're criticizing him. You're judging him. And that's what he's talking about, judging. Right? We don't judge. See, a lot of times what we tend to do in the church is we judge by opinions. Right. And we make things so dogmatic sometimes in the word. And a lot of things we may argue and bicker back and forth about about doctrine. Don't need to be dogmatic because. We don't know sometimes. Right. Some things are plain black and white in the Bible. Right. We, we see for what it is. Right. Some things are not because we weren't back there in there. And then we start to formulate things. But ultimately, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we have to follow that light. And a lot of people can't follow light because they don't know. And, it, it, you know, the fact that the world is getting darker and darker. And we so, see so many people, even today, struggling with mental illness and things like that. You know, because a lot of times they're searching for something. They're searching for something. And... Really, is Jesus what they need to fill that void, but they don't know, right? Sometimes we can explain it, and they still may not get it, <coughs> right? I, I think I said it Wednesday. We got three types of people, those that accept Jesus, those that reject them, and those that are seeking, right? But sometimes, a lot of times, we, we got to help them. We got to allow that light to shine, right? We can't talk one way in church, but then behave another way out there that's not allowing the light to shine that's allowing darkness to shine and the enemy would take full advantage of that right but we, ha we have to learn to follow Christ and if we learn to follow Christ 
and following Christ is his word. Right? The bread of life. Right? Because Jesus is the light of the world. And that is how we get to the promised land. Right? No matter how many worship songs you sing, what church you go to, or how many services a week you attend, doesn't matter if you're not following the light of Christ. Because that's what the fire that led them through the desert to get them to the promised land. That's what's going to get us to the promised land. Before, So that way when we get, we don't have to come up there worrying. <laughs> Am I going to get in? Am I going to get in? No, we're going to know. We, we, we're going to be confident. Why? Because we're following the light of life, which is the word. Amen. The word. And see, when we don't follow the word, and this is why it's dangerous when you have all these people coming up with all these different revelations. Because it's not the word. And, they, and it's funny. They come up with these revelations and all resort, uh, resorts back to something with light. But yet, the light is right here in the word. And, it, and it's plain. That's why I say, you know, we pray for things. I said it Wednesday. We pray, Lord, I want to hear your voice more. Get in this word. Amen. Read it out loud. Right? It, it's not difficult. Because what we want to do is we want to feel the goosebumps all the time. Think about this. Peter, James, and John, the three closest disciples. I'm pretty confident. I don't know for sure, but in my opinion, they didn't feel goosebumps every time they walked with Jesus. Right? They, they, well, actually, you know how I know they didn't? Because they were asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> so they were feeling goosebumps, then they wouldn't have fell asleep. That's right. right? Because how many of us felt the presence of God and then we get sleepy? That don't happen. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, you know, we, we have to allow that light to shine. Right? We have to follow that light. And, 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 and it's simple. We don't have to make it difficult. It's not all the time, again, where we're going to feel those goosebumps, where we're going to hear his voice all the time. Right? So that's why I say it's dangerous when you hear all these revelation stuff. No, it's the word. We got to stay in the word. Amen? Amen. I'll start right there. Amen. So let, let us pray.